So should we look out for that in this episode? So if you hear whistling and the noise, like through the nose, it's you, not it's me. It's me. Okay. So you ready to talk about this? Yeah. You've been ready. I, I, you said I was nervous about it, and I was just really excited because this is the first time publicly, like one-on-one, that I'm talking about this, and it's kind of a big deal for me to sit down with you because I've heard all the stories from you, but I haven't really talked about it, like, except if people ask. So um, with that being said, let's get this going. Welcome to Mental Health Monday. This is a special uh, season finale episode with myself and my mom, and we are going to talk about my adoption today. And uh, we're going to have her thoughts, my thoughts, and kind of just ask questions and talk through the scenario of everything that happened. And uh, I think this will be a really good episode. Uh, I'm really excited for it because there's a lot of things that I've learned in my past from it, but I don't remember how it went, so... To the best of her memory, she'll fill me in on those. So, yeah, she rolls her eyes. Uh, so, welcome to the season finale, and uh, this one's on adoption. Thanks. So, what are your three positives, Mom? From today? From today, this week, next week? Um, the weather was beautiful. We didn't have rain. It wasn't hot and humid. Mm-hmm. Um, Tilt the microphone down a little bit, like, there you go, and then a little bit closer. Don't be afraid of it. The thing's right in my face. I know. You can, you can also do the arm and lower it, too, if you want to, like, have it down here and then have it up. Okay, now try talking. Okay. Is that better for you? I don't know. Okay, it's better for me. Okay. All right, now that we got that out of the way. The weather is beautiful. Yeah, 70, it was like 72, 74 all day. Mm-hmm. So that's a really positive. The past few days have been really nice. Mm-hmm. Sunny, a little bit raining, but not too bad. That doesn't bother me. What about... Um, three things, right? Three things, anything. Small, big, little, medium size. Uh, I trimmed Monkey. Mm-hmm. Monkey's our dog, by the way, for those listening. She's a golden doodle who's 11 years old now. 10. 10. Yeah, she looks beautiful. She doesn't like to cuddle, though. Still yeah. working on that. Independent dog. She's very independent, but she's very sweet. Mm-hmm. We'll post a picture of her uh, with all the other pets that we've posted on the past. So that was good. She feels better. She looks better. She does look better. I didn't bathe her, though. Okay. But I'm going to bathe her sometime this week. Okay. And... Well, God is good. Mm Mm-hmm. All the time. Yeah. And all the time. God is good. Mm -hmm. Mm-hmm. Learned that one in pre-K, I think. (laughs) Anything special or particular that you're counting your blessings for? Just that we have a house and we have clean water. Some people don't even have that. Mm-hmm. 
You're uh, avoiding the topic that we have an infestation of gnats in this house. I know. That's been on my mind all day. <laughs> <laughs> I came home yesterday, and she's literally got an alcohol bottle, of, like spray bottle of 75% alcohol, and she's just like spraying the crap out of these things. Like the window is all foggy, and you can't light a candle in our house right now. It might blow up. It might blow up. <laughs> uh, so those are all good positives. Mm-hmm. My three positives for today, this week, um, we are recording this on Labor Day, and I went in uh, and worked my shift today and got paid time and a half for it. Uh, it was pretty busy today, I'm not going to lie. I thought it was going to be a little bit different, but all in all, just a good day. Um, I did wake up this morning, though, and we were originally going to record early this morning, but I woke up with a toothache, which is not a positive, and uh, so I said, let's push it tonight so I can get some rest, because I didn't get a lot last night, but all in all, it turned into be a good day, and then to come uh, back here and do this with you, which I was really excited about, and that's going to be my second positive, is being finally able to sit down with you and record this episode, because I have said it already, but I'm really looking forward to this. So, and then my third positive today and this week is that, um, I said in the previous episode, but just my time off that I have upcoming with work and just to get away for a little bit, I think if I get approved, which I believe I am, I'm going to have a total of five days off, which is consecutively. And it'll be a really nice break to just take some time for myself we got two shows uh a brewing and canoeing with uh one of my co-workers and then uh just having some time time to hang out here and clean the house a little bit too so i'm really looking forward to that so that would be my third positive so yeah that'll be fun mm-hmm. do you know you've never different? been canoeing have you i've been canoeing at camp and i hated it because it's an effort involved sport and I've also been kayaking though and a kayaking I enjoy more because it's such a lightweight like boat if you want to call it raft thing like that and like, you're more in control and you can go a lot faster with it so um yeah but it's been it's been a long time so we're just hoping it doesn't rain so um but yeah so that'll be good a lot of good things coming up. Uh, fall, you're excited for that. The weather, I love the not fall. even today, but just in general too. So, but yeah, so that's a shorter intro, but that makes time for this uh, special episode today. Um, I want to kick it off with you know the most uh, background and set it up as like kind of a storytelling, uh, almost like walking it through and then questions will be asked and kind of in the middle and, uh, when they come up. But, um, so for those of you listening, I was adopted from Rostovon Don Russia, which is by the Black Sea, correct? Yes. And my, I was adopted at eight and a half months. And, uh, from my perspective, I am the seventh biological child from my mother. Mm-hmm. That we know Correct. of. Okay. And uh, my mom flew to Russia and uh, adopted me at eight and a half months, like I said. And that's where we're going to start this journey. So You were eight and a half months. I was eight I and a half. I was 39. <laughs> okay. So that's a big clarification that we need to make. 
Um, so let's let's start from the beginning. Um, what happened? First of all, what made you want to adopt? Um, well, to be real honest, I saw the, a show called Age 7 in the USSR. Mm-hmm. And it had a really sweet little boy on it. Mm-hmm. His name was Andre. And he <laughs> didn't have parents. They were deceased. Okay. And when they asked him what he would like to have, he very sheepishly said, a bicycle. Mm-hmm. I heard the bicycle story. Okay. And um, so I originally thought, well, I'd like to adopt him. Mm-hmm. So I uh, met a Russian couple here in Cincinnati, and they were able to identify where he was from looking at the video of the show. No way. So, like, they looked at the background and they said, oh, I, that's the, where exactly where he is. This, well, not exactly, but the where, pinpoint. The general area. Mm-hmm. So, I'm not sure how I found out what orphanage he was in, mm-hmm. but I was able to write and ask about him or con- contact someone, or maybe these... It's been so long. Yeah. Um, but these re- the Russian people may have helped me get a hold of someone, and they said that even though his parents were deceased, he wasn't available. Mm-hmm. Uh, his grandmother had custody, but in Russia at that time, what the families would do, because the finances were so bad was to have the orphanage take care of their children, Mm -hmm. but they still had custody, and then they would visit their children in the orphanage. Okay. But they couldn't um, afford to feed them. Gotcha. So since he wasn't available, I just decided to go proceed and adopt a baby, Mm -hmm. and I wanted a boy. Okay. And so I pursued that avenue. Okay. And so this t- in that time lapse of, like, you investigated it, you, you found out that he was not available for adoption, but you said, it's still in my heart, I still want to adopt. And then walk me through the process of, I uh, want to bring this point up, too. It was either me or a brand-new kitchen, correct? <laughs> <laughs> well, I was shopping with my mother, um, or we were at a hardware store, one of the big box stores, and and I liked this white kitchen, white kitchen cabinets, and I thought, oh, I'd like to have those. Mm-hmm. My, mom, my mom said, well, it's either those or the baby. <laughs> so. Was she helping you financially with this? No. Okay, so this mm-hmm. was all on you. Mm-hmm. Okay. So you saw that you had it on your heart to adopt, and then were you part of the adoption? Explain the adoption group part. How did that come into play? Oh, well, I had to take a class through Lutheran Social Services, Mm -hmm. and it was about adoption, and you got to learn about what it was like from the adopt adoptive parent side, what it was like from the adopted person's side at once they were grown, 
and then what it was like from the biological parent's side. Mm-hmm. And um, through that um, organization, I found out about a single mother's group in Cincinnati. Mm-hmm. And it just so happened that um, my sister's friend was in the group. Who is that Nancy. first name? Okay. And so you met her Nancy through your sister, or your your sister knew Nancy, but she was in that group. And then that's how you connected with that. Mm-hmm. And you were a part of that group or established with Nancy before, prior to adopting me. Correct. Okay. So all this is bringing us up to, uh, you, do you go through an adoption agency to find me? Or do you just uh, go because the internet wasn't a thing? You're not just googling redheaded Russian babies, like no, because I didn't have a computer at that time. Mm-hmm. Um, I had to go through several agencies. One was a local agency, which was Lutheran Social Services, mm-hmm. and they have to do a home study. You have to write a report about your life mm-hmm. and submit it to them and then you have to have a international agency because not all agencies are certified to work in other countries yeah and there are certain agencies that work with certain countries and I wanted to adopt from Russia mm-hmm. so I found an agency that worked with Russian families and signed up with them. Yeah. And approximately after I was in that for a year, I learned that it was a they were that the agency was being sued by the state of Washington mm-hmm. for mis- misrepresentation. Oh no. So I knew I wasn't going to go anywhere with them and had to find another agency. How so I, much financially did you put into that prior to that? Um, I don't know. I, I'd rather not get into the money part anyway. Okay. Was it uh, just like, a, did you get that compensated back, or was that a lost cause? It was lost. Okay. And so with that being a lost cause and you having that road closed, what was your mentality going forward from there? Like, you were still driven and still passionate about this. But did it, like, did you question, like, am I doing this for the right reasons or anything like that? No, I just wanted to go ahead and get listed with another agency that I knew I could get a child. So it was no question. You you didn't put any thought into it or or doubt yourself. You were just like, okay, well, this failed. Let's go next. Mm -hmm. Okay. And then from that agency. Well, from there, um within several weeks because I they put me at the top of the list that's the cat uh, the the audio on this one's different because we are recording this from the my mother's home so it's a little bit different audio so if you hear background noises it's animals or ghosts we'll figure that out later very likely animals yeah manic cat um where was I 
uh, the agency in a few weeks after. Oh, yeah. Um, they called and had um, a baby that they wanted me to consider mm-hmm. and wanted me to travel within a very short period of time. And I actually turned the first one down. Okay, which wasn't me, thank God. Otherwise, this wouldn't be happening. (laughs) Okay, you turned the first one down for why? There was a strong family history of mental illness. (laughs) Look how this turns out. (laughs) This is the plot twist you were waiting for. Oh, karma. (laughs) It's still got you, Mom. Okay, so there was a struggle, and you were just worried about, were you worried about just the struggles of motherhood as a single parent with that? Well, it was pretty severe mental illnesses. Okay, so like more, worse than me, like, or different (laughs) conditions than me. Oh, yeah. Okay. It was more like psychotic type history in the family. Gotcha. And so you... You didn't feel like you were ready to handle that, nor did you kind of want to put that on yourself. Right. Okay. And I didn't, well, because I was a single mom, mm-hmm. too, I wouldn't have anyone to help me through that. Mm-hmm. So, and like you said, you don't really know what you're getting, mm-hmm. but when it was so clear... Because they had a, unlike me, because I don't have a medical history... From my parents, or I have a very vague medical history, correct? From when I was adopted? Mm, they wrote up a medical history for you, but you never, I didn't know what was true and what wasn't true. Mm-hmm. Because all children at that time had to have a diagnosis in order to get out of the country. Okay. And then to kind of fast forward and segue on to that, um, I turned it down. You end up finding me, and then you fly to Russia and the whole process with that. And then you get there, and I'm in the hospital. Mm-hmm. Let's pick that up there. Well, I first went to Moscow. Okay. And then flew down to Rostov-on-Don thinking I was going to meet you and take you home within 24 hours. Uh-huh. Take you back to Moscow. Oh, my God. It's just a baby pickup. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's a drive through baby pickup. Bye. <laughs> so I only, I really only took like a couple diapers. Mm-hmm. And when I arrived there, well, because we were just going to go to the, you know, the judge and finalize the adoption. Mm-hmm. And then I would go back back to Moscow and go to the embassy yeah, where you would be examined and, and we would get your passport. Mm-hmm. So when I arrived, the woman that was working with me said that um, you were in the hospital and I wouldn't be able to see you. Mm-hmm. And so she introduced me to a couple other children and wanted me to consider them for adoption. Yeah. And I said, well, I came here to see this little boy, mm-hmm. you, um, and I would like to see him and 
you know, they couldn't tell me what was wrong with you. Mm -hmm. And I think it was just an ear infection. Yeah. Um, But you were hospitalized. Okay. And in Russia, you're not allowed to visit people in the hospital. So, but I was kind of persistent and said that I would wait until you got out. So they did let me go see you. And you looked fine. I took a girl with me who was there with her sister Mm -hmm. adopting, and she was a nurse. And Was she from the States? Yes. Okay. And uh, the doctor just held you up in front of me. I wasn't allowed to hold you or touch you or anything. Mm -hmm. And she said, he looks fine. Yeah. You're bright-eyed, very alert. Maybe a little small, mm-hmm. but um, you look, you know, he had that bright red hair, and <laughs> <laughs> and she said, you know, she just said, I, I think he looks fine. So I said, well, I'll stay here until he's released from the hospital. Okay. And so you're that person who said, I came here for this baby. I'm not leaving without this baby. Mm-hmm. Much like I would go to Skyline and say, I came here for three cheese conies. I'm not leaving until I get my three cheese conies with no onion. What's well, a little bit different. <laughs> I mean, if you want to call it that, but tomatoes, tomatoes, am I right? Yeah. Well, if you get a Skyline for a Skyline, that's what you're going to get. But what if they gave you Gold Star? Like, what if they switched out the recipe? Yeah, see? So you you did your due diligence, and you stayed until it was done. Mm -hmm. So how many weeks were you in Russia? A total of three, I think. When you were only supposed to be there allegedly for 24 hours or 48. Oh, I I was going to be there for probably a week and a half to two weeks. Oh, okay. You were just picking me up within 24 hours. Yeah. Okay. And... So I get released from the hospital. We well, get no, another funny thing about the trip yeah. was that when I was leaving Moscow to go to Rostov at dawn, there was a like a six or seven hour delay in the flight mm-hmm. because they didn't have any fuel for the airplane. Yeah, airplanes need fuel. Yeah, That's, they do. They still do. <laughs> we haven't gone. Elon Musk hasn't gone hybrid with flights and battery operated airplanes yet, but he can work on that. Yeah. So I thought that was kind of funny that <clears throat> here I am trying to fly somewhere and there's no fuel for this airplane. Mm-hmm. So I thought, oh boy, I hope they put enough in to make it down there. <laughs> <laughs> Otherwise, this is always oh, it's like, give me $5 worth. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, mm-hmm. Just pay at the pump and be like, yeah, that'll get us to the next layover. Mm-hmm. And, and there, too, the the aircraft was old, so I sat down in the seat. It, mm-hmm. I ended up in the lap of the person behind me. <laughs> and the, the Russians are big vodka drinkers, and mm-hmm. they all had, a lot of the men on the flight had their own fifth with yeah. them. Just personal. Yeah, Just kept, personal had, fifth. <laughs> <laughs> Now, was this like a, it, the international flight, was it like a double-decker, or was this just a continental long, big, like... Oh, this was a, a smaller, like, airplane. Okay. Like, three on each side or something. And so, like, a Delta U.S. flight now. Yeah. Okay. Um, so, 
This wasn't Delta. It was Aeroflot. But for, well, I guess we do have international listeners. But, okay, so it's just a single passenger, like 600 passengers? I don't know, maybe 100? 100 from Moscow to the United States. No, no. What was the flight pattern? I flew from New York. Mm -hmm. I flew... from Cincinnati to New York, New York to, I don't remember if we had a layover or somewhere or not, but then I flew into Moscow. This was from Moscow to Rostov and Don. Oh, okay. So you're not talking about the 14-hour flight. You're talking no. about the three-hour flight. Whatever. Yeah. Okay. Gotcha. Um, so we get there. The, the fuel la- it, it sticks. They, they have enough fuel. Mm-hmm. And we get in Rastawandan, and then from Rastawandan and getting back home, uh, I watched the home video with you uh, a couple months back, and uh, you have Grandpa clicking at me like I'm a dog. Like, <coughs> it's like he didn't know how to interact with the baby. I remember, uh, was it Nancy was there? Mm-hmm. Uh, was uh, Mimi there? No. Okay. A grandma, mm-hmm. a grandma was there, and then who else? There's Kathy and Tommy. Kathy and Tommy, and um, Debbie. Okay. And maybe Robin. Okay. And Carol. Okay, because Carol had also, and uh, Ben will bleep their last names out for privacy reasons, but Oops. Carol had also, <laughs> um. Adopted from Russia before you, correct? With, I was before her. Uh, you were before her, and then she adopted Katya and Katrina afterwards. Mm-hmm. Very shortly afterwards or years apart? Katrina was um, relatively shortly afterwards. Mm-hmm. Um, and Katya was maybe then a year or a year and a half later. Okay. And we kind of grew up with them with the well, we grew up with all the adoption group, but it was they were very close because they were also from Russia, and I was still keeping contact with Katya to say the least. But, um, so that is the scenario on the adoption, and let's kind of fast forward and hit some milestones with childhood and then teenage years and to today. Um, what were Going into this, you were a single mom. You chose never to marry by choice, correct? Mm-hmm. And you have me, and you have grandma, and you have grandpa for uh, the first six to nine years, I want to say. Seven. Seven years. Uh, so I remember uh, we lived right across the street from mom and dad, and that it was a very uh, good setup. And then also I remember... you. You mostly worked at home growing up in my childhood with uh, that insurance company, correct? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Okay. And that was probably through third, fourth grade? Maybe fifth. Maybe fifth. Because I think that at that point I was at Mother Teresa by fifth grade. And uh, so... Growing up in my elementary and into my, uh, yeah, elementary years, we'll just call it and say what it was, um, describe me as a child. As a very young child, 
you were very outgoing and friendly and open and animated, and you talked a lot mm-hmm. um, once you started talking. Yeah. And you just, you had, you spent must, most of your life with adults. With, yeah, grown. So you had a great vocabulary. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I remember my hand handwriting was also Sapar, but was what? Sapar. No, Sup- superb. Superb. Words don't matter. That's con- consistent in this podcast. Uh, my <laughs> handwriting was outstanding. Okay. I remember that. You don't have to. It's <laughs> my de- my memory not yours. <laughs> All right. Now it sucks, but and then when you Got into school. Uh, At what point did you realize, or what grade did you realize, I was different? Well, what do you mean by different? There was, uh, I was on the IEP. I was also held back. Uh, around the third grade, um, I, w- I wasn't focused. Like, there were certain things that kind of started happening back to back to back that, like, I wasn't a normal child, so to say. Well, I kind of attributed some of that to the fact that you'd lost your aunt who mm-hmm. you were close to. And sh- I was about five by then. Um, I think you were three. Okay. Wow. Okay, so earlier than I thought, too. I think. Mm-hmm. Let me try to... You're right. Okay. You were about five. All right. Um, and that, that was, was my first loss. Yes. Okay. And then within a couple of years, you also lost your grandma. Uh-huh. And then within one year, you lost your grandpa. Right. So you had three major losses there, plus we had lost some dogs in between there, mm-hmm. and um, lost Uncle Bernard, Uncle Bill, mm-hmm. and Aunt Helen. Holy crap! I'm not. I I'm just like you're listening them, and I remember it, but I didn't realize like the significant amount. Mm-hmm. So, was Rosie also around that time, or was that later? It was a little later. Okay. But all of those who had been at least a semi-consistent figure in my life. I was, grew up around them. I saw them enough. Mm-hmm. Okay. Well, I know Grandma and Grandpa for sure, and then um, my aunt, or Mickey. And, okay, so you... When you saw that pattern, when and my acting up, my attention deficit, and uh, all those things, it was more or less you attributed it to like he's dealing with loss and he doesn't know. He's so young. Like, how do you process this? And I remember I, you had me enrolled in that uh, mending hearts for mm-hmm. one, and then Camp Great Escape, which was basically for uh, uh, 
a camp for dealing with loss as a child. I remember those two to a degree. Mm-hmm. And so you were trying to find, you immediately tried to find help. And then you know, I, when cleaning out your house these years later, I saw all the books on how to deal with a child grieving of loss and things like that. Mm-hmm. So it was very difficult for you as well. Oh, yeah. Because you were not five years old. You were a little bit older, mm-hmm. and you had known those people for most of your life. Well, yeah, they were my parents and my sister. Mm-hmm. So I'd known them all my life. How'd you hold it together for you and me both? What was... I didn't always hold it together. Okay. I mean, I did my share of crying and... And I didn't hide that from you because it's an emotion that I believe you're entitled to have mm-hmm. at appropriate times. Yeah. Um, so I didn't really try to hide that from you. I think probably what bothered me a lot was that um, you were very afraid to be alone in a room for even a little bit. I still am. Uh, sometimes. I, I couldn't even... You didn't even want me to go downstairs to throw a load of laundry in the dryer. I was codependent. And I still believe, like, to a degree, I can kind of be that way. Um, but, yeah, I do remember that. And I also even remember, like, when I would sleep over at uh, the house. And uh, there was one time where... Uh, he went into the shower, and uh, I kept knocking on the door because I was like, I, I didn't have a visual of him. Like, he was house. Mm-hmm. Chris and Jennifer? Well, I'm trying not to say their names, Mom, but you just keep throwing out <laughs> all these public records of people's I names. I don't ever remember you spending... I was over there for a short time. Uh, I think I spent the night. I don't know. It, I, I want to say, like, there was one night, because I remember it, but this was before they had their kids, too. And, uh, but I remember he went into the bathroom or he went to shower or something. I just remember having a panic attack because I didn't have a visual of him. Mm. But, uh, so yeah, I can re- recall a few scenarios like that. And then anytime that Kathy would spend the night with me while you were out of town or away or uh, something like that, because I think you had a few work trips and I would always be worried, like, you're like, in the middle of the night after I went to bed, like, you're not leaving, are you, Kathy? Like, you're staying here. And just having that fear of just being alone is what I think it ended up resorting to. Like, I don't know. I think that being adopted and now that I'm 28 years old and having that sense of abandonment, like, I've gotten a little bit more closure with it because I understand what it means and things of that nature. But I don't think that I've ever truly processed, like, and come to the acceptance point of, like, I'll never know the answer to why uh, with my birth parents. I, I wanted, I can choose to believe that it was because I was the seventh biological child and money was tight and they wouldn't be able to afford a living for me or a caretaking for me. I can choose to believe that it was for any number of reasons that logistically make sense to me, but I would don't I've accepted that I will never know that answer and that scares me a little bit too. Because it's it to me growing up for a long time and I think turn in my 
transition in my teenage years, my rebellious phase came out because I was like, if my, I think at one point, even like with when my depression got really bad, I was like, if my birth parents didn't love me enough to keep me, why should I care about myself or anybody else? And had that conversation with you or my therapist growing up and stuff. But it was just the sense of like, recognizing what abandonment was and then hearing it into the music that you say is angry devil music and most of it kind of is but not really it's uh, the it was lyrics that I related to is like a lot of it but and just kind of understanding it's like did they give up on me and if they gave up on me why don't I give up on myself and then not having a father figure as well. I think that's what kind of played a big factor because a lot of people in my childhood, growing up especially in the Catholic schools that I did, they all had fathers. So, um, but what did you notice that, uh, from your point of view in my teenage years, what did you notice from me that you talked about with therapists that I might not have heard this conversation from? Or you might have thought it to be related to this instead of, like, a mental disorder. Kids were mean to you, and I don't know why. I was bullied hard. Yeah. Um, really were. I'll talk about that in a future episode on, like, strictly bullying. But there was a lot of, a lot of hazing and bullying. Mm Mm-hmm. And I I think that you didn't tell me about a lot of it. Do you think I was uncomfortable, or do you think that I thought it was normal? To be bullied? Mm-hmm. Um, I think that you were afraid that I'd step in. And I was like, I can't have Mama Beer stepping in on this. This is my battle or my war. Yeah, because you'd fight back, mm-hmm. you know, with some of these kids, but then you'd get in trouble. I always got in trouble at that one school. What was it? St. Pete's. Nope. The one where I got all those demerits. It was probably... Oh, St. Joe's. St. Joe's. God. We're not going to bleep that name out. They need to be exposed. They were trash. I got in trouble so much there, and it was like half the stuff I wouldn't even... It wasn't even my fault. Like, I wasn't even doing anything or provoking anything. That was the worst. I don't remember enough of it, but I remember enough to know that it was I was very unhappy there, and I'm glad that was the shortest lived, but yeah. So you associated a lot of that with bullying, which could also be an attribute of it. I mean, I don't want to say that I had just a really crappy upbringing because that's not even true at all, even though you're hearing all these things about, like, he was bullied. He lost so many family members. He had a mental disorder. He just adopted, like, all these things that sound so negative. But in reality, I had a really great childhood because you supplied the best that you could for me, and you also did everything that you could to say without a rule book or a handbook on motherhood and especially a single parent and being adopted, it's like... You took all the avenues to say, okay, well, now I need to do this, this, or this. And you took action 10 out of 10 times, including the hospitalizations. Like, when you didn't know what to do, so you said, okay, I don't know how to handle this. Let me go to a professional and see if they can help. 
And I remember that, and I've talked about that, too. It was just, like, having those thoughts, and when I said out loud that I wanted to kill myself, like, in 12, 13 years old, and you just said, okay, then I'm going to take you to get admitted and see if we can get you some help. And you wasted no time on that. So, and I believe that was the best choice. Well, I don't think you can take those things lightly. You don't think you can take it as a joke, right? And and I don't even mean it as a joke. I mean, I don't think that you should just assume that somebody's doing that for attention. Mm -hmm. You know, and say, oh, they're just... They're just saying that for attention, so not, it'll it'll go away. Yeah. Uh, I don't think you do that with with kids or adults. Yeah. If they're gonna voice that, then they they need help. Mm-hmm. And then look at what happened. The outcome. I mean, it took. It, it, there was a road after that. I mean, it was definitely not like a one stop shop. Here, take this. We'll do this, and you'll be better in the morning. But, and it's still a continuous road for me personally, but I think the avenues that took from it and some of the bigger things that I got out of it was learning coping mechanisms there and what they were about. And though I didn't process them at the time of like what a coping mechanism really was until later on when I found skateboarding, writing, and music, and you know, all the things that I that are therapeutic to me. At the same time, I do remember that being something that they really pushed in your brain. And I, in the long term, it played out really well because I didn't end up killing myself and I found a bunch of outlets to voice my distress in. So, mm-hmm. um, And then let's talk about the medication part too. I had a lot of medications growing up and then I hid them from you and I wouldn't take them. Do you think that the diagnosis and the medications that I was taking helped me or hard to say? Well, I don't think, I didn't like having you on ADHD medicine mm-hmm. because it took your personality away. I vaguely remember that. Okay. And I was on Adderall, correct? Or at the time, like a form of Adderall. Yeah. Okay. At what, 15? Oh, gosh. I don't remember things like that. Okay. I thought it was younger. Sure. So I was on meth at the time of 10 years old, for those of you listening, and it was great because it took my personality away. No, it made you quiet. Quiet. Yeah, so you can be on meth and not be a meth addict because don't Mm -hmm. swat it. I know, I see it. (laughs) Uh, And then Ritalin I was on Ritalin for a while Uh How'd that play? I don't I mean they all were the same kind of Drug Did you you support it In the sense of like it didn't hurt to try Or were you kind of always against it? I I just wanted to do Whatever would you would help you, mm-hmm. and you did have um, problems in class. The teachers would say listening, and I know one uh, one time, 
I think it was your second grade teacher, said, he just rolls around on the floor when I'm telling stories. That sounds about right. (laughs) I don't know what to do about that. (laughs) And, I mean, he just did things that you would never do at home. Yeah. You, You didn't act like that at home. And I didn't know if that was for attention at school or if you really were bored or... Because I had this vision that you were so smart that you were bored at school. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Uh, Flash flash forward to high school and you're like, no, I think he's just stupid. (laughs) (laughs) No, I never, Uh, ever thought that you were stupid. You know, that's I want to clarify that, too. That's one thing that my mom consistently instilled in me was that I can do anything that I set my mind to and want to do. I just have to achieve it and do and be proactive with it. And it's something that she's always portrayed a great deal with me. And even with uh, skateboarding, we were at Ollie's. And uh, at the time, Ollie's was a good 45-minute to an hour drive from our hometown, and you would take me there for all-nighters with a uh, good friend, JR. And you'd pay $40 for both of us, drop us off. We were of age, and then we'd skate all night. You'd pick us up in the morning, and you'd want to see what we had learned and instead of just, like, paying $40 for somebody to babysit us. And she told me to drop in on the mini ramp. And I said, oh, I don't, I, I can, but I'm, I'm I'm tired or something like that. And you said, no, you're going to drop in on this mini ramp or you're grounded. And then I snaked this guy because I said, hey, man, I just got to drop in for my mom or else she's going to ground me. <laughs> and I did, and I did it great. I didn't fall or anything. And you really pushed myself. And then from that moment on, it gave me faith, too, with my skateboarding ability. And I became you know, this great avid skateboarder that I have been since, I mean, maybe not in the past two years, but prior to that, just consistently being, pushing my limits with skateboarding and having injuries and just always had the admiration to do it and get out and it just, you you always mock to you, like, you'll never be a professional skateboarder. You're never going to go pro with this. And then I was like, I'll show you. Ah, <laughs> <laughs> uh, look what happened. But, uh, yeah, back to on the adoption part two. What was your biggest struggle or in the past? Let's go from adoption to 20. Where was your biggest struggle with me? And where did you, did you ever, no, let me rephrase that. I want to rephrase that. Where would, where did your biggest doubt come into play? Like, at what point, or did you ever question, did you make the right choice by adopting? I don't know that I made, that I thought it was the bad, a bad choice, but there were definitely times that you tried my patience. Mm-hmm. And... Trying to think. You know what? We don't have to do scenarios or examples or anything like that, but. Probably when you were about 12. Uh huh. I was having some problems. Was with that you. about the time you had the tutoring club? Uh huh. 
I remember that. Okay. That was when I was started, I mean, very temper tantrums, like full-blown rage moments. Well, I remember one day that um, you had called up a friend and wanted to do something and or went to their house and the mother told you that he was out with his father because it was Father's Day or something like that. Mm-hmm. And then you went to someone else's house and they were with their dad. I don't remember this at all, but and then and then you rode your bike through the yards and you scratched a Corvette. I think it was on purpose, maybe. Okay, I know what you're talking about there. Uh, to this day, uh, allegedly, the first time was an accident. I had this rust, not rusty old bike. I don't want to sound poor. It was the bike hat was worn in age, and the handlebars, the plastic handlebars, was ripped off on the right hand, left hand side of it, to where the metal was coming out of it. And I was cutting through the yard, and I scratched the Corvette by accident the first time. And it made a cool mark, and I said, hey, that's pretty cool. And so I did it again. And I didn't think anything of it. At 12 years old, I'm not thinking of crap like that. I'm just saying, oh, let me make a cool line. Let me make a cool line again. And just so... And then I remember somehow, magnificently, a friend snitched me out. And... We're still friends to this day, so it didn't. Ha- it doesn't matter. But yeah, he came over and he asked me about, it and I said, I told him exactly that. I said, yeah, it was an accident the first time, but I went back and did it again, trying to be cool. And then he came to our house, and you had to pay him a pretty penny, mm-hmm. or be sued. Yeah, he was very angry. Yeah, but he, in retrospect, he was an a hole. And he also had a lot of problems in that community from what we discovered later on, correct? I don't know. No, I thought I just thought he was like that guy. Well, anybody that owns a Corvette is going to be an a-hole, so we can just call it that. Yeah. <laughs> That's fair. Well, I mean, it's a car. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so that's when you started to just, like, your patience was being tested with it. And... Um, what were some of your brightest positives with adoption? Would you do it again? You thought about doing it again. Let, let's go with that route. So I was adopted, seventh child. You looked after, and when was it when you started trying to check again to see if there were any more from my birth parents? I think you were about three or four. Okay. And then no results, no results, no results. Cool. And yeah, and, and the man that I got was in touch with said he looked into it for me, and she had not had any other children. Okay. Now, just so the rec to set the record straight, your biological parents only kept five of their children. Okay. So number six was also adopted out. So he's they out there. They didn't just put you up for adoption. I'm relearning this in real time to also let the record reflect, which is extremely. I'll have to process that, but I didn't. I don't think I was aware of this. I think that I told you. 
Yeah, I just, I don't, that's why I want to have this conversation, because I don't, I don't recall that at all. So they, he or she is out there. You knew, though, that they had five children. A six. Well, they had five at home. No, I, I, from my memory, I was always, I, the only thing that I remember was I was the seventh child, a biological child from them. Mm-hmm. I don't remember that they had five at home. I don't remember the sixth one was also up for adoption. I just remember I was the seventh. So, yeah, I'm relearning this. I mean, yeah, that's heavy. Uh, I thought about it for that whole 32 seconds, but it's it's heavy. Um, Ancestry.com. Uh, you signed me up for that. I am a member of that. I did the test. I sent it in the mail. It took me a while to do it. Uh, it really did. But I have the documentation that I need of literally being... It, it's not debunked it, it debunk that I... It was adopted from Russia because if, I'll share that on uh, social media too at mentalhealth.info, at mentalhealthmonday.info on the Instagram. But uh, And then I have connections with, I think, a few second cousins and maybe about the hundreds of fourth cousins, but like how it's like they match the traits and the DNA samples. So, like, but I haven't met any siblings or the parents yet, but I'm not anticipating that. I check that probably twice a month. Have you reached out to anyone? No, and I did flash back to probably four years ago where I I tried something. I walked before I ran, or I ran before I walked, but I had a Facebook page called Finding Answers About My Birth Parents and Facebook, and I was going to try the... You know, the whole story about, nah, you weren't kidding, Mom. These nets are literally everywhere. Like, we got we to gotta bomb. Can't say that on this podcast. We'll bleep that out. Um, but now where was I? You have the attention span of a net. Something about ancestry. Did the test. Instagram? No. Facebook page? Or uh, Thank you. There we are. Um, the finding answers about my birth parents, where I took the documents, the little documents that I had with their names on it, and I tried to search through Facebook for them, and then I tried to like make a Facebook page that what I'd hoped would get hundreds of thousands of shares and likes of like, hey, find this guy's parents. And I put in the amount of effort into it as I would writing a college essay while not attending college. Just no consistency with it. And I think that's, like, if I were to do it all over again, and I very well may try. Um, But, yeah, I tried that avenue for a short time, and it just, I got scared, too. Um, To my memory, too, when... One of our relatives passed, and I was gifted the certain inheritance at about 18 years old or 17 years old. He had just moved to Lexington, and it was a sufficient amount. Maybe I'm making this up because I've told this to myself and not shared it with you, but I had the, I had some memes, means, not memes, I have a lot of memes, uh, to 
kind of hire an outside pri- private investigator, p- private detective to try to track that down in kind of a, or a start a search for my birth parents at one point in time. And I think I chose, we had talked about that, or maybe I told myself I talked to you about it. I don't know. I, it, it's one of those things where I, I've played the scenario out in my mind to where I believe that it's a truth for me, but it may very well be a fictitious lie. The, the inheritance was real. But I've told myself that at that time, I had the means and motives to hire a PI or a private detective to start searching for uh, my birth parents or at least getting some hits on it. And I chose not to because at that time... I didn't want to ask questions that I didn't want answers to, which is one of my standards and rules that I live by and still do. And I don't think that I was ready at 16, 17, 18 years old to try to search for them. Do you remember anything about this or me talking to you about this? (laughs) Okay. So I don't know. It's to whether or not it's my truth for me and I'm going to stick by that. But, um, what were your thoughts or fears with... Because one thing I want to make clear, too. My mom had, from a very young age, ingrained in me that I was adopted. You didn't hide it from me until I was 18 and said, surprise, you're adopted. It was from as early as I can remember, I was adopted. And you made sure I knew that from as soon as I could kind of comprehend it, more or less. Well... Uh... Yeah, we belong to an adoption group. Well, yeah, but uh, I can't say that on this podcast, but uh, I could be part of an all-redheads group and still wouldn't get that I'm one of a thousand. Yeah, well... It makes sense. Think about it. I mean, why hide that? Um, Why do people hide it? Uh, that's my answer to that. I don't know. Exactly. So that's what I'm saying. You, you, There's no reason to hide it. You made it known. You explained what adoption was. And then at, as time went on was, okay, so let's talk about the grocery store grandmas who every time we went grocery shopping and I am five, six, seven years old walking around and Oh, where'd you get that cute red hair from, Rastavon Don? And they'd that look was at when you, you were like, oh, "Well, your better memory is better than mine." Um, and they'd look at you like, "Huh?" And you'd have to be like, "He's adopted." And then they just awkwardly go, "Oh!" And then they walk on by. <laughs> <laughs> and that's why you mind your own business and don't ask those questions. So. Uh, but yeah, I just, I remember that and it's, I always hated my hair. I, how long, I was probably at least 10 and always hated it. You were going to, you wanted to dye it black. Dye it black, dye it brown, dye it purple. I don't care. Any color of the rainbow other than red, because I think, I don't know if that was, it was a factor of my bullying. I'm sure of that, but it was just like. Oh, look at that red hair. I could just eat you up and take you home. And I just got tired of that crap. Like, you you can only hear it so from so many grandmas at a grocery store to where you're just like, all right, get this off my head. And now I'm like, yeah, I'm a redhead. I'm in demand. <laughs> <laughs> uh, 
but where kind of where were we on that? Um, as far as just, uh, I don't even know where we started with that and where that went. Uh, we're recording this at like literally 1 a.m. for those of you listening after I had a full day. So it's uh, kind of mine's all over the place and rants will happen. And we're kind of getting to the end of this and transitioning into the positives. But like I said, I wanted to make this a special episode and didn't want to give it a time limit, I told Ben, because this is our season finale and... Uh, it's a. I wanted the conversation to lo- run as long as we can make it run and get some details on that. But, um, so uh, with the adoption group and what were your fears with adopting? Did you have any? I really didn't. Did you know what you well, were doing? Well, I guess maybe inherited conditions or I didn't know when I was in Russia if there was if the diagnosis that you got was real or not real yeah and I just wanted to get back to the states to have you checked out by a pediatrician Mm -hmm. here because I didn't know if there might be something wrong with you you had an umbilical hernia, and... I'm also an Audi on my belly button, if that's the same thing. Probably not. I well, it was a real Audi. I mean, it was... <laughs> <laughs> well, you can say the word, it was a second penis. Yes, it was. <laughs> we'll we're, we're keep this clean, but we'll, we'll definitely make some commentary with it they had your abdomen Uh taped okay so i thought maybe you'd had a surgery or something yeah and you did this thing with your tongue where you i still lick my lips mom you know this i'm 20 years old and i lick my lips like at least once every 70 seconds you weren't licking your lips you're you're sticking your tongue out and the thing is is that the doctor said that that was because you were, bo- you were um, prop fed a bottle, which means that nobody fed it to you. They propped it up so you could suck it on your own, okay. and that's how you would get it out of your mouth. How did I eat growing up with you? Once I got back to the states, how did you eat? Yeah, you're a good little eater. No, I mean like bottle fed, like. Spoon fed. Here comes the airplane. Um, I know you didn't breastfeed me, so we can (laughs) pass that. Well, I think you were allergic to milk. Or they determined that at some point. So you had to take the Infamil. Mm -hmm. And, yeah, you 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 were still on a bottle. Mm-hmm. And I mean, I know that they sent directions home with me that said he eats meat and vegetables, <laughs> and I'm like. They also had sent directions home that said playtime outdoors thirty minutes or outdoor play like some like it was I I remember I remember vaguely that it was worded so it's like outside time forty minute 
nap or something. Like, it was so, like, the way that the English translation worded it, it was like, what? <laughs> was playtime. Playtime outdoor 40 minutes. But it didn't sound Chinese. It sounded like Russian. <laughs> like I'd made it sound. And what they did was take the kids in their little carriage or whatever and set them outside. Mm-hmm. I guess just to get fresh air. Yeah. But they were very, very regimented about what time you ate. And everything. I mean, you don't feed a kid five minutes early over there. Mm-hmm. Because, you know, they're wanting food or they're acting hungry. You just have to wait until the exact time that they're supposed to be fed. Yeah. NASA's going to join us again. Maybe. Nope. There he goes. Um, Just uh, kind of in closing, because we, we are going to wrap this episode up, but uh, more or less on the positive sides. And I also want to make clear, I was going to save it for the end, but this is part one out of a series that we're going to be doing uh, with multiple guests, multiple people, multiple perspectives as well on adoption and that topic, because it's a very something that I'm very passionate about, something that I wanted to get my mom on here first about and get her memories and transition out of the way. Um, but so yeah, this will be a series. It's not always going to be the finale, and we'll get into that. But transitioning into the positives with adoption, what's the one thing that you think adopting me helped you with? Patience. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I had to learn patience with you. <laughs> <laughs> I'll take it. That's a compliment. Oh. I love with that one. But I, I, you know, adopting internationally is different. And I was told that even when you're in utero, you're picking up on the Russian language. Mm-hmm. So it's very, very common for children from other countries to have language deficits. Is that why words don't matter to me and I can't pronounce things? Is because I just... No, that's probably because you didn't pay attention. <laughs> <laughs> that's cool. But it, it is why I think you would... Remember the story about the Madagascar? Yeah, like I, I, hear, I hear words and I associate words, but I don't say them properly. Yeah. Yeah. You asked me why I was putting Madagascar on my eyes, and you meant mascara. Mm hmm. And just like the uh, time that you said something about going to a strip mall, <laughs> and you knew what that was. I didn't, I didn't, I don't think I knew what it was. I knew the idea of a strip mall, but I heard strip mall as like, they're not, okay, so backstory, and we'll segue this into the opening cut or whatever, but uh, I was at the underground uh, venue, which is, if you've listened to this, RIP underground, but it was no. in Cincinnati. No, it was. It was at the underground. No one. Where was it? Was it the, um, down around Norwood? They had that, um, a whole bunch of different Christian bands there. In Norwood? Oh, gosh. No, you're... 
Bogarts? No, 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 no. No, Ichthus? Mm-mm. <sighs> it, like, the bands would only pay like, play, like, two songs each or something like that. What in the heck are you talking about? I don't know any... I remember all the show... Uh, you brought me Cincinnati up... Cincinnati Gardens is where it was. Uh... New... Newsboys or new song hosts. Winter Jam? Winter Jam. Winter Jam. You sure it wasn't at Underground? I'm positive. Okay. Says the memory of a gnat. Um, okay. Anyway, now that we got that, John, the venue clarified. Son, or the, there are two female couples next to me. They were teenagers, and they said, you want to go to the strip mall after this? And then they walked away, and I looked at my mom, and I said, well, they're not Christians, thinking that they were going to go to a mall where you strip. Yeah. Uh, so, okay, but annotations with words and like def like like associate. Are you talking about like association word associations and just language barriers? Just um, another thing was was that you could never get it straightened out. What was the front and what was the back? I still don't, Mom. What am I, Lewis and Clark? You used to tell me to go north, and I don't. We don't use compasses. Front door, back door, side door, garage door. Like, it, what, it depends on what, where I'm sitting. Right, right now, to my left is the back door, to my right is the front door. No, the front door is where the street is. Yeah, but there's also a front door out by the garage door because they're on the same wall. Well, they're on the same facing wall. So That's the garage door. But why is that the garage door when the garage door is the one that goes up and down? That doesn't make any sense. That's the door to the garage to the garage door. You can't argue my logic. Point made. <laughs> I don't think it was. Uh, biggest thing that you would tell others who are thinking about adoption, and it's changed. I'm 28 and it's been 27 and a half years uh, for you, but... Um, what was your biggest takeaway? The thing that you overall like would tell other people, single or couples that are thinking about adoption? Oh, I I would strongly encourage people to do it. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't understand why so many people want their own children and become very, very torn up when it's discovered that they may not be able to have children mm-hmm. because there are plenty of children in, that need homes. You've done the research, or recent research, on the foster and adoption rate of uh, orphanages. Uh-uh. No. Okay. It's I, high. It's high, higher than it's been in a while. And then especially with closed uh, borders on certain countries now, it's harder to adopt in certain countries. Oh, it is. Yeah. yeah. Very much so. So, I mean, I just felt feel like I was lucky because Russia had opened up just in, I think, 91, I think, for adoptions. Mm-hmm. Um, so I, I got in there 
and got it taken care of. But I don't think that they're open now. Mm-hmm. And even so, one of your fears that, I don't know if it was one of your fears or like just, you had cautioned me that you didn't want me to go back until, I, I guess I can say his name on here, Putin is out of uh, presidency. You thought that it, it, the idea of me going back there while he was still a ruler was fearful to you. Well, I think that there's um, the relationship of the United States with Russia isn't all that great. Mm-hmm. And I think that, um, you know, the, the mafia is a big thing over in Russia now, too. So even with the Olympics being hosted over there, you feel like that was a tourist thing when the Moscow uh, Olympics happened. But you, so you were more in fear of me versus, what was your fear? Oh, I don't, I don't think uh, going to uh, the Olympics would be all that bad because it's going to be. They'll get you in and out. <laughs> yeah. But, um, Guaranteed safety. I just don't think it's real safe to travel in um, Russia right now. Okay. Do you think in your age right now, in the scenario that it ever played out, do you think you would ever go back with me? If it was um, okay to travel. Okay. You do that? Mm-hmm. Okay. Talk about that. What what city would you want to go to? I mean, we got to go back to the hometown. Oh. I think that it's one thing, and my mom shared a lot of her story on this, and I was kind of just narrating the, the uh, questions and didn't really talk about it from my side a lot. Um, but one thing that I've told myself and her if I'm going back to Russia, I've, I'm, I've been hesitant to where if I'm going to go back, I'm going to go back and I'm going to find them and I'm going to look for them. They're, I know I will. It doesn't matter if I go to Moscow. It doesn't matter if I go to Rostov-on-Don. It doesn't matter if I go into um, Siberia. If I go back to Russia, the goal is that I, I can't go back to Russia and just not, not give it a shot. And I know that. And I think that's kind of, I don't know if it's a fear or just me evading the question of don't ask questions that you don't want answers to and fears of what turns up. But I do believe that my life here and my positive for this was that I was very well taken care of growing up. I had a great home. I had a great family, and I still have a great family and community. Through everything that I have went through, and without getting into any details, my mother has been my, I mean, superhero, and to say the least. She's always been there. She's always pushed me. She's yelled at me when she needs to. She's called me out on my BS. She's checked me. She has was taken her space away from me to make me realize a lot of good things and I look back at my life and everything with my mother and people always say it's like you know some of the stories that I say it's like why do you still 
you know, support her, take care of her. It's like, she's give, you don't understand. She's given me everything, and I owe her everything, and I still do because the way I reciprocate it, and I think at this point, and I'm, this will be another episode or another topic for future, um, she gave up everything for me. It's my turn to repay that. And whether I have support or not, being in a relationship or single, it's going to come to that point where it's my turn to take care of her. And I wouldn't trade that for the world. And I would love to do that for her because as crazy as she is, she deserves it. (laughs) Yeah. Uh, We have a weird relationship, but it's, I'm very happy with it. And I, I just want to say that, like, from my positive, uh, she kept me alive. That was great. But you don't owe me that. What you owe me is to make the most of your life. Mm-hmm. Okay, so I'll be on a plane to Arizona next week, and good night. <laughs> no, I, I, I do believe that, too, and you we can say all that and uh, whatnot, but I still choose to believe that it's I can do my part from here while I can and make the most of my time with you too. Uh, and I think that's a fine balance of things and something that I've always struggled with because I am all over the place and, I mean, nonstop, especially now with before COVID gets bad again and just all that, and we Ben and I have talked about it, but it's just like the back-to-back-to-back and the scheduling and... It's, I'm a hot mess right now, but, uh, it'll all get worked out in the end, but yeah. Final thoughts? No, I think, I think, um, yeah, I would, I would do it again. Not right at this age. (laughs) (laughs) Did what was uh, we'll add to that real quick? Uh, you had talked to me about wanting a brother or sister, and I said no. Yeah. Yeah, I wanted to be an only child. I wanted to be spoiled crapless. <laughs> <laughs> yep. Didn't yeah. want that. But then later, you decided that you would like to have had a sibling. I think I made my own family. I mean, we that shows now with uh, especially with my sisters. With Sarah, Allison, Ray, Lindsay, I mean, Renee, all of them, the whole, that's just a handful. You know, I didn't get to the back half of that list, but, and then Ben, uh, I don't have any brothers. Ben and Andy, Q, you want to call him a older brother, but, yeah, I can see that. Like, I, I was back and forth on that, but I think that, the reason I got that tattoo of on my upper arm, which is Simye, which is family in Russian, was because family meant everything to me. And I was like, if I'm going to get this, I'm not going to get the cliche family that the average white teenager gets at 18 when he gets his first tattoo and gets get that famous star F. And I was like, I'm going to get it in Russian and be unique. And then I'm going to get that touched up and a little more elaboration to it because so, it's, it's been there for a minute, 10 years. Touch that up. Anyway. Mm. Yeah. Good things. Uh, But yeah. Uh, Thank you for sitting down with me and talking to me in this part one series and the season finale, Mom, uh, about adoption. Well, thank you for inviting me. 
into your own home with my own equipment, <laughs> <laughs> your own dogs. Yeah. All right. Uh, that's going to wrap up this episode. As always, uh, Ben is kicked off this episode and uh, maybe forever. We'll find out next week. But um, thank you guys so much for listening. We have. <coughs> oh, don't do that. <laughs> <laughs> Gotta love that sound. <laughs> Uh, thank you guys so much for listening Uh, as always you can follow us on mhmpod.com with links and resources to all things mental health related you can get help you can find different chats resources my personal phone number is on there if you need to talk to somebody any day or night Um, and follow us on Instagram where we'll post most of the photos that we discussed that I said I might and I will. Um, That's at mentalhealthmonday.info on Instagram uh, for all things considered there. Um, This wraps up Season 1 of Mental Health Monday, the podcast, and next season, uh, look forward to a very strong uh, starting episode. And from there, we are going to make a few adjustments as well uh, with a few things. So just keep your eyes peeled for that on the social medias and on the podcast as well. Uh, thank you guys so much for listening and always supporting us. It means a great deal to Ben and myself. Uh, we didn't know where this was going to go when we started it 13 weeks ago, and now we are here. And it just, the numbers say it all. Uh, the numbers say it all and just the reach and your responses and all your comments. You've been very great to us. So uh, look forward to us giving that back here in the next season as well uh, where we make a few adjustments. So we've got great things in the works as always. So uh, guests are back and we are going to be doing our new season of booking this week. So um, wait for your name to be drawn from that hat as a figure of speech and uh, we will see you all next time be kind to one another and we love you bye hey guys ben here uh thank you guys so much for tuning in again for the season finale of the first season of the podcast now this has been a a really wild ride (laughs) it's been super fun we love doing this Uh, it's a really enjoyable part of our week just sitting down with guests or even just with me and karsten Um, Like Karsten said, I was not on this episode. Uh, That's why you did not hear me. Um, But I really enjoyed it. I hope you guys enjoyed it as well. Um, Very, very cool uh, ending to the first season. Uh, Next week, we will be off. So if you are thinking, hey, where's the episode? Um, We will be taking a much-needed break, um, but it'll be just for a week, and we'll be back the following week. Um, So that uh, Monday after this episode airs, uh, there will not be an episode. But the week after, we will have an episode, we'll have a guest, and we'll be back for the beginning of Season 2 with a very uh, serious topic that uh, we, I think, both of us have suffered from, uh, as well as our guests. So thank you guys so much for your continued support. If this is your first time listening, uh, welcome, and thank you for tuning in. Uh, If this is your 13th time listening, (laughs) thank you for sticking with us and uh, keep supporting us. Uh, We'll have some big announcements with the beginning of the second season. Uh, One of those is going to be that we're going to be holding a contest for the intro song of the podcast. Um, It will no longer be the uh, little EDM intro. Uh, It will hopefully be uh, one of you guys, a listener of the podcast, that uh, will be submitting to uh, have their song played at the beginning and end of each of our podcasts. 
Uh, so that'll be something that's coming. Uh, we also are going to have a big announcement for uh, towards the end of the year. I won't give away any details right now, but just know that that announcement is going to be coming pretty soon. And um, we love you guys. I mean, really, from the bottom of our hearts, we love every one of you, whether you're listening from Cincinnati or Detroit or Russia or Germany or wherever. Uh, we really appreciate you guys tuning in and supporting the podcast, and we just have appreciated so much the kind words that you guys have uh, you guys have messaged us or told us in person. Uh, we really appreciate it. So again, we'll be back in two weeks for the season two opener. Thank you guys so much, and we'll see you then.